Welcome to the Men and Hoodies podcast featuring your three hosts, Brent Lyons, Roman Cleary, and Jake Stoop. We discuss and debate breaking news and hot conversations in the sports world. Today we'll be discussing the NBA Finals, the Mavericks-Rockets trade, the Big 12 expansion, and another fun topic at the end. Now I'll start with Roman because we're going to get to Brent pretty quickly here, but Roman, how have you been and are you looking forward to this episode? Uh, I suppose I am. You know, it's not exactly fun from my perspective to see the Warriors win it again, but they earned it. They grinded it out. This is probably the most impressive of their four championships. So, yeah, Curry, Thompson, Green, Steve Kerr, they'd all definitely deserve this one. Congrats to the Warriors. Yeah, Brent, is that is that a laugh over there or those those tears? What do you what are you feeling right now? <laughs> it's not quite a I don't know. It had you know how most of the time like when you when like something happens, it doesn't something good happens like that's important to you. You don't really realize that it happens until like after the fact. I'm feeling yeah, that. I understand I'm, that. I'm feeling that right now. I'm not really like I'm the whole it's not really all hitting me right now. But tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, we won the NBA Finals. Like, this is crazy. I feel like the thing for me mostly is the fact that nobody really – nobody was expecting the Warriors to be anywhere near this point at the beginning of the season. Uh, the amount of uh, hate I got this year was insane. Um, and I'm just I'm, – I'm just really – I'm really happy for these guys. Um, I just saw a video on Instagram right before we started of um, all the analysts and all the first take guys and all these people saying – like I, I remember vividly the first take episode where they were asking if the how many finals Curry would be to in the next four years, and all of the people on first take held up zeros over their eyes like Curry does for the three point thing, but only with zeros instead, and they just won another NBA finals. So I hope they're feeling it right now because I'm feeling great. I'm so happy for Curry and all these guys. I'm happy for Thompson and Green, and um, not really for Wiseman, but. I guess he got to see – I guess I guess if Memphis has to fail in something, at least one Memphis guy can experience what it's like to win while the rest of the city loses. So that's nice. Um, I'm just happy to be back on top. And in the words of Draymond Green, welcome back to the Warriors Invitational. See, and that's one thing I want to bring up. Like, if you want to know what hate is, try being a Memphis basketball fan for two seconds, and then you can <laughs> – get a taste of what hate really feels like but yeah. i got remen i got death threats during this playoff run i don't want to hear what it feels like to be a memphis fan i felt what it's like to be a memphis opponent and i got death threats so i'm fine i'm happy with where we are i'm excited for the future and steph is insane <laughs> yeah he uh steph gets his fourth ring um to Greatest add up guard of all time, with... no no question. I mean, we, we, we've already said that here on the podcast, though. I understand, but if there was any question left, there's I mean, not. I mean, this, four, this fourth championship definitely has to secure it. I mean, no doubt. Oh, yeah. And if I think he's secured top ten all time if anybody hasn't put him in there already. That, that's a whole other debate, and we can get into that next time, but I would agree with you. What, what else does this do for his legacy? Um, well, I think – Again, um, if you didn't, if you thought Magic was a better point guard, I feel like this puts him over the top personally because the amount of the amount of things that he had to do to get them to this point on his own was just insane. Like this, obviously, was the one where he he was it was purely him, really. Like there was no there was like other defining reasons, like Clay coming back was a big part and other things like that. But Steph was the like there would be no championship without Steph here. There's no question about that. And that's the first time I think that 
you can say that the real only true reason for this was Stephen Curry. And so I think that that does a lot for his legacy, as well as, I guess, winning a finals MVP, which that at the end of the day doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But winning that does help just with another thing to add to the collection. A fourth ring obviously is nice on the hand. And um, we Warriors fans love to see that and can't wait to come back for a fifth next year. But um, I think that he's starting to – anything from this point on is just moving him up the list of the greatest of all time. Now, he's not going to be the greatest of all time. He's not going to be top three. But if we see him in the finals next year, is he maybe punching a debate for top five? I would say yes. And I think that he he's starting to get into that conversation of the second tier of the greatest players ever. And I'm really excited for this chapter of his career because I think he's right when he says that he's not out of his prime. Because, I mean, this is the kind of player that his prime can really go as long as he wants it to, as long as he's willing to put in the work. Like with some of these bigger players, it's hard for them to keep their body in check for a long amount of time but Steph he's so lean and small and like he like the the things that he has to do to keep his body healthy and stuff are not the same things that LeBron has to do which and he plays in a completely different game it's way less physical for him I feel like that he can that he's on the outside he's moving around a lot which yes is it's hard to keep your body in shape to move around like that but I feel like he has the opportunity to extend his prime way longer than most people think he could so I think that's also an advantage for him as well. You know, I think this just further legitimizes Stephen Curry as one of the only people who can be a legitimate number one option for a dynasty-level team. He was undoubtedly the leader of the 14-15 team, but then Kevin Durant came along and they win two championships with him as seemingly the main catalyst for both of those, Durant getting or hitting perhaps the championship-winning shot in both 2017 and 2018. So people, I think, questioned Curry a bit after that, saying, okay, he needed Durant to win those two other championships. And he proved them wrong here this year. You know, this is by far the least talented championship team that the Warriors have had with Stephen Curry. And yet he still was able to carry them to that level. I know he got contributions from Clay, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, you know, Draymond Green at times, Kevon Looney. I mean, everyone shifted for the championship, but this year, more than any others, truly, you know, proved that Stephen Curry is he is on the level of the of the Michael Jordans, of the Kobe Bryant's, of the LeBron James, Kareem. Mm-hmm. Stephen Curry is in that tier. And yes. And in no and in no small shout out, I'll give a quick one to Kevin Durant. Thank you for uh Thank you for leaving the Warriors and blowing your career up so that Steph Curry could get the recognition he deserves. Thank you for getting swept by the Celtics so that Curry could join this special tier of players and probably move many more rungs up the ladder of the all-time greats while you sit back there. I love you, KD, but thank you. Yeah, imagine having Durant over Curry right now, you know? (laughs) We'll see. He's he's going to have next year, but right now we can celebrate. Y'all showing some tough love for Durant, but I want to point that out. He wins two championships with Durant, and then those two years when Durant left, there they were awful. Like they were a bad team. But and then the turn, you- I'm, I'm saying the turnaround that they've had this year, how Curry has been able to lead them to this position, 
And like you said, there were some people um, like Stephen A. Smith, for example, like, hey, you know, I think they, they're going to win it all this year. But for uh, most people, fans and analysts of the league, they did not give the Warriors a chance this year. Even when the regular season finished, they were the three seed. I mean, a lot of people were talking about the Suns and the Bucks coming back. A lot of people were talking even about the Nets as the seventh seed in the East. Yet Steph Curry and the Warriors were able to override this talented Western Conference and make it back. And the contributions not only from Curry, but the people around him are, when you compare them to the 17 and 18 teams, you're like, man, this is not as talented. But so many people were able to contribute in the exact way they needed to. Props to the front office being willing to bring in a guy like Andrew Wiggins um, that most people doubted. Most people saw him as a trade asset, yet he was arguably, you know, second here in the reason they're at this position right now. Yeah, he's getting money this this. Yeah, he, he definitely proved himself. But what does it do for his legacy? Top 10 NBA player, NBA player of all time. I'm very hesitant to put him top five. I'm, I don't have him there yet. But top 10 player, I think you cannot argue that now just because maybe he's played in a softer era that has absolutely nothing to do with the impact that he's been able to have over this 2010s and 2020s now that you look at it. So, man, Curry deserves all the respect in the world, and and he is fantastic. I'm not saying he's top five yet, but I think he's cracking that tier. And especially if they come back next year, there's no question that he's debating for it. But I feel like now you can – I think he's definitely worked his way up to that tier. Whether he's in it or not yet, he's either knocking on the door or he's in it now. So – Take that with a grain of salt, but that's that's kind of what I'm getting. And no, and no disrespect to Kevin Durant, he's still a great, he's a he's a great player, all time great, and he's going to have a great season next year. But when you're when you're thinking about like Curry didn't play the first season, KD was gone for the most part. He missed like fifty something games, so you can't count that season. Neither did KD, so I he didn't play really either. So those so those seasons kind of cancel each other out. But the the season after that. Curry had an insane individual season. Obviously, it didn't go in the playoffs the way it was probably hoped. Pro- definitely not the way the Warriors hoped it would. Probably the way that most people thought it would pan out. The Nets didn't do so hot either. Um, but then this year, obviously, was the was the eye opener, I guess, for most. And it's not a great night for Curry critics either. I don't think so. You mentioned the front office a bit earlier. I mean, at this point, Bob Myers, general manager of the Golden State Warriors, has to be right up there with Jerry Krause as like one oh. of the executives like of all time at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about what he's gone through since he came in. Like they mentioned the the owner coming in in 2010 and saying that he wanted to have the impact of Chicago Bulls, Lakers, Celtics type teams, and he has done only that and has exceeded. I mean, drafted Stephen Curry. And then you draft Klay Thompson. You bring in Iguodala from the Sixers. You bring in Draymond Green. Like, all of these people that they brought in were only only succeeding and surpassing these expectations that they had. And just so impressive that they've been able to go to six finals in eight years. Home and, man, we're going we're gonna to shift the conversation from Steph now to the Celtics, um, the latter end of these NBA finals. How do you see the Celtics – responding to this loss and what changes need to be made. I don't see them getting back here for a while because once Milwaukee gets healthy, I don't think there's any stopping them at this point. Giannis is the best player in the game. Middleton, when he's there, along with Holiday, you know, Pat Connaughton, 
and you know great Grayson Allen, a lot of shooting off the bench, a lot a lot of physical players. Bobby Portis is there. Drew Holiday, yeah. Mike Bultenholder is one of the best coaches in the league. I think the Bucks are still the class of the East, and I think the Celtics were very fortunate to make it here. And as you can see, the Celtics just weren't ready for the moment, quite frankly. Like from especially Jason Tatum, who quite frankly looked very hesitant to shoot the ball even in the mm-hmm. second half. So I don't see the Celtics really bouncing back from this all that well. They may get back to the Eastern Conference Finals next year, but the East still definitely, in my eyes, belongs to the Milwaukee Bucks. And, yeah, for me, I think uh, – I kind of agree with Roman here. I think next year we're, we're probably looking at Milwaukee representing the Eastern Conference. I think – I'll call my shot now. I think it's going to be Milwaukee-Golden State next year. I think that uh, – not just because I'm biased on the Warriors and that they just won, but I think that um, Clay kind of got thrown into this season just coming straight back off injury. Obviously, they worked him back in, but he still got thrown in towards the latter end of it. So having a, a complete offseason – kind of hoping that he doesn't play any five-on-fives with Miles Turner or anything and tears Achilles or anything like that again, and bearing, and hoping that he gets like a full off-season of training on all these other things to get ready. He's going to be coming into his first complete NBA season with these guys since 2019 when they made that great run to the finals. So he's going to have an entire season of training, taking on that Middleton to Giannis role with Curry there, and then just adding Draymond Green, one of the greatest facilitators, and defensive minds in the game, um, great IQ for basketball. He is not going to play at the low level that we've seen him in the kind of the latter end of these playoffs. And next season, he's going to be back. He's going to be better. Um, Andrew Wiggins has taken off. Jordan Poole is taking off. You've got Wiseman, hopefully, that's actually going to play basketball. You've got picks in the draft. You've got all these pieces. So I'm thinking that we're looking like the Milwaukee Bucks and Golden State Warriors next year. And I think that the Celtics will get back sooner than Roman thinks, but not next year. I don't think next year's the year. Mm-hmm. Um, what, the one thing that kind of makes me hesitate about the Warriors a little bit for next year is that Draymond Green is getting worse and worse. And he's still super important to that core. I mean, he was still good enough this year, but how much longer is he going to be good enough? And you still have the Suns right there you still have the Grizzlies right there and the Grizzlies quite frankly not trying to be biased but they are the future of the Western Whoa, Conference. and I agree but they, they have the superstar and it's only a matter of time before the Grizzlies eventually beat the Warriors it's only Whoa. a matter of time before Memphis eventually gets past Golden State the Warriors can definitely make it back next year but it's going to be a pretty hard road well here's the thing when you mentioned the Suns and stuff like that the Suns have their own issue and if they're going to get DeAndre Ayton back or not because right now there's talks of getting rid of him or him not, or the money issues that are going on there. So they might not even have him next season. So that's that's something in question. There's also the like. There's also questions with who's going to be in the West next year. There's talks of Kyrie going to the Clippers and all this other stuff. Like the West is going to look very very different next year for lots of different teams. So I think that it's going to be there's going to be a big shakeup in the teams that actually make it. Um, I do agree with you. It's going to be the Grizzlies league. It's going to be the Grizzlies conference. And there's not many years left where it's going to be somebody else's other than the Grizzlies. I do think that Draymond has at least one more year in him because of the role that they have him in. His role is not to score. His role is to be the playmaker, and his role is to play defense. I think that if he can just stick to that and not try to add to his offensive game anymore, get past that, get past the fact that you're not averaging 17 anymore – 
I think he'll be fine for at least another year. I think the Warriors have at least one more finals run in them before we have to before we have to shut it down. Oh no, but, no, I think they potentially do, but it's gonna be hard for them next year. Oh yeah. I mean Kawhi sure. is gonna be back with the Clippers. The Lakers will be better next year. Uh, I mean hopefully anyway. Dude, Dallas. Dallas and okay, Denver, okay. like so many teams. New yeah, Orleans with Zion. Jamal will be back. And, it, and of and course, they'll have the Grizzlies and the Suns, who... Yeah. Yeah. Grizzlies, yeah, Suns, don't, Clippers, don't about those teams. Lakers, Nuggets, Mavericks, Trailblazers, potentially, if they get a package. No. Pelicans, uh, Dallas. Yeah, there yeah, are a lot of West. teams. And I wouldn't... Honestly, I'm not assuring anything um, for next year at this point in time because there's so much talent in the league right now. I mean, we're seeing... The young guys mesh – absolutely. They're, the young guys are meshing with the old guys, and we are getting maybe one of the best talent-oriented leagues we've ever seen next year. I mean, we already had some of that this year, but look at next year, and it's even better. And I want to I wanna go back to the Celtics here for a second. And I think that this year they surprised. Um, they had arguably the hardest road um, in what they made it through. I mean, you, Roman, you talk about it all the time they beat the Nets – um, beat the Bucks, beat the Heat, and almost beat the Warriors. Like, this team has been through so much, and they've showed that they can play through adversity with a team that doesn't look like, you know, the team that you would expect. I mean, they have no real point guard other than Marcus Smart. You can argue if he's a reliable point guard or not. I want to see what they do with that. Um, and then, like, Grant Williams coming off the bench. Derek White, they tried to throw him in this year, and it worked for the most part. A young Peyton Pritchard. So I'm not counting out anything. Um, I think that just like last year compared to this year, I think that it can be completely different. Um, so I'm not going to assume that the Celtics can't make it back um, because there's just so much talent in the league right now. So really like I can't, you know, I can't predict anything, but I don't think the Celtics fall off at all. I think I'm, they continue to play as well as they did in the second half of the season. I'm not even saying they're falling off. I just don't think they can beat a healthy Milwaukee Bucks team because I don't really think anyone can at this point. I think they're. I think the Bucks, when healthy, are the undisputed best team in basketball. They showed that in the finals before this past one that we just saw with the Warriors and the Celtics. They dominated the Suns, who looked like the best team in the world for basically the whole season. I mean, they won eight straight games in the bubble. Then they won 68 or however many games it was. I mean, Phoenix was the undoubted favorite. And then the Bucks just came in and smacked them in the mouth. It wasn't even close. So to me, Milwaukee is just on a whole nother level right now. Healthy. So it's going to be tough for anyone to beat them. And that especially includes the Boston Celtics. And I think, Jake, when you're talking about when you're seeing the, the young guys mesh with the older guys, I think that this is kind of like the 2014-2015 the season when we started to see the young guys at the time like Steph and all them start to mesh with the Tim Duncans and all the stuff. And you start to see the league getting taken over by the new era. This is kind of what's happening right now. We're in the mixture of the time where it was the Spurs then, it's the Warriors now, where they're on top. They go out basically on top, but you can, you can tell that the league's getting, the league is switching. And I think that this is either going to be the last season of the old or the first season of the new. And it's, and I, I think it is exciting. You're right. But I think that I think that it's just how basketball goes. And for me, it's kind of sad that uh, my my favorite team's era and my favorite player's era is slowly ending. But I think it's also 
I think it's also an exciting time for basketball because you can tell the league's in good hands. So absolutely, it's so exciting, and the Warriors aren't done either. That's the thing; yeah. they can be better than they were this year with help when healthy. Um, so yeah, exactly. Um, we're gonna move on to the next part. Um, Brent, congratulations on the championship, and we're going to move on to the Mavericks. Um, to yesterday, the Mavericks traded for Christian Wood. Um, the Mavericks had to give up the 26 pick Boban, Marjanovic, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, and Marquise Chris. Now, guys, when you look at this trade, who who won it in your opinion? Mavericks. The Mavericks definitely won it. They gave up. They gave up basically nothing. Absolutely. For Chris I agree. Wood, who is exactly the player you would envision. Like we were talking just a few weeks ago about how Luca desperately needed that second star alongside him and Jalen Brunson. And Christian Wood fits that mold. In my yeah. Yeah, this is a perfect trade for the Mavericks, and I'm kind of disappointed that the Grizzlies didn't even try to go for it, seeing that the Mavericks got Christian Wood. This- so, I mean, I mean, hats off to the Mavericks in their front because they pulled off a magical deal here. This, this When we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I mentioned two big men. I only can remember one off the top of my head, and it was Jeremy Grant. That was the one big man I remember. I mentioned two. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Christian Wood, but I did mention another. But I Probably think that this guy, it was. I I don't know if he was that high caliber, but something something along those lines. But it was he. This is a great pickup for for the Mavericks. But on the other side, if you flip the coin here, I want to talk the Rocket side of it. Marquise Chris, I think, is an underrated asset in this deal that the Rockets are getting. When he went on the Warriors uh, that season that they were the worst in the league. Obviously, they were the worst in the league. So good stats, bad team, maybe. But he averaged like 15 and a half and six, six and a half, something like that, rebounds. He had a good season. And going to a Rockets team with where they're developing, where they're doing a decent job of developing big men right now. You saw Sinkin had a really good rookie season, and they're, they're, starting to, they're starting to have good develop. They have a good developmental staff on the Rockets over there. Um, so you could see Marquise Chris, he's not a veteran, but he, he knows his way around the league. You could see him maybe, maybe taking a step up. So I could see where this could benefit the Rockets exponentially besides the fact that they now have another good asset at draft picks. Um, so, but yeah, the Mavericks definitely won this trade, but I can also, I'm also taking a look at the Rockets side and I don't think they completely lost it either. Roman. Oh yeah. Um, I can see why the Houston Rockets traded Christian Wood. I I can definitely see it. They have their young star in Jalen Green, who, by the way, would have played for Memphis if NIL implemented earlier. Yep. But anyway, they have Green, who's super young and super talented, had a really good rookie season. But besides that, they don't have anything close to a contending roster. And you have this piece with Christian Wood, who's already 26 years old. And by the time the Rockets would hypothetically be able to build up a roster around Jalen Green, Christian Wood would be probably a little bit too old to really do anything within that. So it's a good idea to trade Christian Wood now to try to get whatever value you want to get out of him. But they just completely failed to do that. The 26th pick in the NBA draft is a, is worth just about as much, honestly, as like a third-round draft pick in the NFL. And Well, but... And like Boban Marjanovic, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, Sterling Brown, like none of those names are ones that like really stand out to you. I'd really like to think that they could have gotten something better than that 
for a player like Christian Wood, who's a 20-point-per-game scorer. So, yeah. But the, here's, Rock- here's... the Rockets' front office has really been struggling ever since the J- James Harden walked out the door, and that just continues here with this deal. But I just love this so much for the Mavericks. And, yeah, Christian Wood is the second star it, that I think they've really been looking for. And now if they can get Jalen Brunson back, they have a really solid trio over there with, well, he- with Wood and Brunson. Here's my thing, though. They, did they get from the Mavericks? What pick was 26. that? 26. They got, they got the 20. Okay, so they now have the 26th, the 17th, and the 3rd, correct? Yep. You're telling me that Sacramento would would not potentially hop on an opportunity for a player, the 17th pick and the 26th pick, and then you have the 3rd and 4th pick in the draft, and with the 4th pick, you take Jaden Ivey, and with the 3rd pick, you take one of those big men that's left, one of the three big men that's left, now you're running Jaden Ivey and Jalen Green at guard, at guards. Now you have one of these young, potentially Paulo Blanchero, one of these guys, big men coming in along with Singun and this young core with John Wall potentially coming back to lead them as a veteran and all these different things, Kevin Porter Jr. And I think that you're looking at a potential win in this trade a couple years down the line for the Rockets, especially if they find a trade because I know they're interested in getting Jaden Ivey and a lot of teams are at this point at the fourth pick. But I think that that's a potential move that Houston would be willing to make with those two picks and that Sacramento might be willing to jump on knowing that uh, knowing that this Sa- pick isn't going to do much for them. Yeah, yeah. A.K., the Sacramento Kings are absolute dumbasses. So, yeah, it, it could work out for the Rockets in that sense. But it's just like, I just, assuming it's not the Sacramento Kings they make a deal with, I just don't know because – First round NBA draft picks, like past like pick 20, uh, the value really starts to go down there unless you're the Grizzlies and you get. So it's like, I don't know. I, dude, the 20 through 30s, I know that there are a lot of guys in the top 20 that are looking really solid, but 20 through 30s, those are guys that can come in and be instant role players, in my opinion. And y'all haven't mentioned the fact that getting rid of Christian Wood now gives more playing time to these young guys mixed with guys like Aaron Gordon or Eric Gordon and Dennis Schroeder, guys that are veterans in the league. If you can mix that type of talent and give the young guys that you're bringing in more playing time, I mean, what else could you ask for? I mean, this could potentially be one of the youngest teams in the league. If you bring in even a guy like Chet Holmgren, like Chet Holmgren, no matter what you think about him, if he proves to be a great NBA player, he probably has the highest ceiling in this entire draft. And that's what, what I'm looking at here is once you expose all these guys that you're bringing in, you can be such a good team years down the road. And I really love this trade for both sides. I think it's a win-win. Putting Christian Wood on the Mavericks gives Luka a way better option down low than Dwight Powell, Pull, pulling a little bit of pressure off of him. Now the real question is for the Mavericks, what do you do with Jalen Brunson? Because you've got the spacing now that you've got Christian Wood who can hit the outside shot. Do you pay Jalen Brunson or do you let him go and bring in another guy? Now, that's a decision that I have no idea what they should do because Jalen Brunson proved he could play. So Now, here's the thing. You can't afford someone on the level of Jalen Brunson, though. There's no guarantee of I was going to say you can't afford to let Brunson walk. You at least have to sign and trade him somewhere else because you can't afford to give him up with no with no consolation prize. So I think that either way they're going to have to sign him. 
Now, whether you give him up is, is a front office decision that can obviously be predicted, really, because it's all going to depend on what they decide to do. But I also don't think that you're going to – like, I also don't know if it's the right decision to move him or not. I think that either way, though, they need to sign him, and either they need to keep him or they need to trade him after they sign him so that they can get something from him instead of just letting him walk away to another team. Yeah, I agree. I just – I don't I don't see how that all fits together yet, but I think Christian Wood being added to this roster, no matter what you do with Jalen Brunson, immediately helps Luka. Oh, yeah. I mean, a- adding any talent helps Luka. We talked about this mm-hmm. a, a few weeks ago. Like, when we were at – when we asked the question, like, what does Luka need? We all pretty much more or less said more talent, more pieces, more stars around him. That's exactly what the Dallas Mavericks did in this trade for Christian Woods. So, yeah, I personally want to get Brunson back because I don't think he's a second option, but he's a really good third option. And now he can presumably be that third option behind both Luka Doncic and Christian. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this team is, if you bring back Brunson, is pretty close to the exact same, and you have a better big man. Like, all the guys you gave up in the Rockets trade did not really have an impact this season. So I just I just want to throw out there real quick what the West what the West has to offer next year because we've kind <laughs> of circled back around. So the Suns obviously Grizzlies Warriors defending champs now the Those Mavericks are, yeah. now with Christian Wood what yeah yes Suns Grizzlies Warriors top three and then I... Mavericks Jazz Nuggets the Timberwolves will be back and probably better the Pelicans will be back the Clippers especially with Kawhi and potentially talks of Kyrie. The Spurs will probably drop a little, but that's just because they're going to probably stay the same and talent's going to get better. The Lakers, presumably and speculational-wise, are supposed to be getting better, but that's all up in the air right now. Trailblazers should be getting way better because they should be getting a second start to go with Dame. That where it's going to completely fall apart and Dame will be gone. And then the Rockets, Thunder, and Kings are kind of just going to be battling out. But there's potentially... No, no. Rockets, Rockets won't be good for a couple years. I, I said battling out at the bottom. Oh, you said at the bottom. Okay. I yeah, they're going to be at the bottom. The the I mean, and the Kings will be a step above them, but the King. I don't think the Kings are making it either. But you have potentially thirteen teams competing in the West next year. That's. I don't view the playoff caliber team. I know the talents there. Who? I don't. Pelicans. I don't. Really? What? No, I don't. Why? I know the talents there. But they let down. They disappoint every single year. Because of injuries. I see them as a playing team. They still disappointed. And, again, there's no guarantee of Zion being healthy. As we've seen throughout his career, he can get injured at any time. And you have Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and, like, an... Lonzo's in Chicago. Oh, right. Forgot. They got CJ. (laughs) And, And they have the eighth pick. So, <laughs> dude, yeah, like you cannot sleep on a, the Pelicans. I see you them cannot as a playing team. Even I, if Zion gets hurt, I see well, them as a playing. They team. were a playing team this year, I've and been, they only had CJ McCollum for twenty games, and no Zion Williamson, and no eighth overall pick. I see them as a playing team without Zion. I keep on thinking that Lonzo's still there for some reason. I don't know why. I know he's in Chicago. <laughs> He he was just like prominent with the Pelicans for a while, so it's just. And look yeah, at the true. free agents; they could bring in like T.J. Warren or somebody <laughs> like that. 
like don't a bring solid in TJ role, to play with CJ. a solid role player who can bring in like ten to fifteen points a game. But just like, like and very, the Pelicans have money. I, I've been very awake on the Pelicans for a long time, and they just never seem to get it done. So it's like, un- well, un- the the Celtics never got it done either. And you can compare Brandon Ingram to Jason Tatum pretty equally, <laughs> if you ask me. And we're at least making the playoffs. The Pelicans and- made the playoffs this year without Zion. Can we- I know, I know. This might not be the market that this guy wants to go to, but can we maybe Zach Levine? I <laughs> no, not. I don't think they can do that. But you don't think they can? You don't think they could squeeze Zach? They've got the money, but I don't think the Pelicans not, are a team that he's considering. Miles Bridges, maybe. Like in, that's, that's what I'm saying. They have the cap. They have the talent. Y'all, y'all saw that video I sent you the other day of Zion dunking, dude. Shut if he up, comes back healthy, that. bro. Zion is a top 20 player in the league immediately, dude. And you, if you add him to a squad with C.J. McCollum, who practically you know led this team in the playoffs this year, you've got Jonas Valanciunas down low. You've got Brandon Ingram, who you can compare to Jason Tatum. Like, I don't want to hear it because man. I don't want to hear it. You can say top 20 in the league, but Kawhi's top five right now with two torn Achilles. So I don't want to no, hear it. No, he's not. <laughs> he's, top, he's top 15. No. But, I'm dude. I'm interested to see what- the Trailblazers do with Anthony Simons. Yeah, Anthony Simons, I think, deserves maybe four years, 81 mil, 84 mil, like around that range. Really? Yeah, he's that good. He's that – I mean, look – that he's look, the real deal? Oh, I 100% think he's the real deal. Okay. I mean, he's I not agree, but He's not the second gonna... complimentary piece to Damian Lillard. I mean, you, you kind of threw him in there. Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It looks like they're trying to rebuild, so we'll we'll see what happens. But you either way, you Anthony go Anthony or Dame? And I think it would have to be Anthony there. But trade to the Spurs. I don't know. That would be that would be pretty good. I mean, there's so many options, and this league is just growing so much. And I I'm in love Expansion with the NBA right teams. now. Expansion teams. Expansion teams. <laughs> I don't know about that, but give uh, me the Sonics. Yeah, let's. You got it. You got it. We do need them back. Yes, we do. I've heard there's talks about getting there them. There are. Well, yeah, there's been talks for like seven years now, and Adam Silver doesn't want to make do on the promises he's made to Seattle. Hey, well, we'll see. And uh, in I Game of Zones, he Lakeland. came in pretty clutch with him, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> but anyways, um, man, this NBA season has been a wild a ride, and I'm looking forward to next year. Draft is in like the you know, seven days. Draft is in a week. You've got Summer League starting July 7th, July 11th, one of those days. So James cannot Ryan wait for next season. To play in the Summer League. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens there. But what's coming next <laughs> is college football, NFL football, end of baseball season. Like, dude, like this, once college football starts, man, we are right back in it with the sports college world. And that's what we're first. going to talk about. College yeah. football comes first, and that's what we'll be talking about today. Let's go over the Big 12 expansion, the most recent news that we've heard from the college football world. So what's happened since? Um, OU and Texas are going to leave and go to the SEC next year, as well as BYU, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati are going to come in and join this already stacked Big 12. So, guys, what are you? What does this do for the Big 12 as a whole? Um, well, you got uh, it. I, I think it weakens the Big 12 from a branding standpoint yeah. because – not only did they fail to bring in the biggest brand they could have, which is Boise State, um, they also lose Texas and Oklahoma, who to Texas and Oklahoma are just making a really impulsive decision here, in my opinion, going over to the SEC. I know the mm-hmm. money is there, but 
what else, honestly? Like, you're not going to out-recruit Alabama. You're not going to out-recruit LSU. That's just not going to happen. And Oklahoma and Texas, like, from a football standpoint, they've been used to playing this style of Big 12 football forever. Like, how is that going to work out with the SEC where guys are just so athletic, so big, so strong? I mean, everyone is good in the I SEC. I think it could work better. Everyone is physical in the SEC. And Texas especially has been disappointing in the Big 12 forever. So how's that going to work out in the SEC? I don't know. Oklahoma, I mean, they got a chance. They have a really good chance, but they lost Lincoln Riley. They lost the best quarterback in college football. And now things are just, aren't just looking great for them at the moment. I think, well, I think it could be better from a football standpoint for both schools. I mean, yeah. Texas is a team that is top five, top ten recruiting class every single season. And, what and are they? They're, they're bringing in guys. I'm saying they're bringing guys that fit the Alabama style of football. And they've – OU, at least, has been really successful in playing a brand of football that, you know, you argue that they didn't really fit in with the first place. And they were able to be successful with it. Now, you move OU and Texas into a stacked SEC where they are able to contend um, in this conference every single season because of the caliber they are getting in with the recruiting classes. So I think that could work better, honestly, and it just makes the SEC so much more exciting. And, you know, I just – I think overall it is a fantastic move. If you have a chance – to go to the SEC money-wise and, you know, popularity-wise, why not take that uh, up? Oklahoma and Texas are going from, like, the first and second teams in the Big 12 to, like, like the sixth or seventh team in the SEC. That's uh, just – Who cares? Who cares? Well, here, here's my – okay, so here's my thing on it. First off, I think that in general for college football, we need a realignment in general, not just with some conferences. I think that we need to redo that entirely. I think that it's time for that because teams, it's kind of getting out of whack a little bit. And I think, first of all, Notre Dame needs to find a conference. And second of all, I think we need to just set alignment, redo that in general. Second, I think that money-wise, Roman's right. Um, they They gain a lot of money going to the SEC, of course, to the Big 12, kind of leaving the Big 12 a little lost, finding a new name brand football program. Um, but I think where I disagree with Roman here is that I think that this is a way better move for Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC than anybody's giving them credit for. We are set to expand the college football playoffs in the next couple of years. And doing that means that more teams make it in, obviously. And the SEC already has a biased chance to make more teams in than any other conference in the, in the country, whether people admit to that or not. Mm-hmm. And so if you're Oklahoma or Texas, you're entering into a league where you are a name brand program. You are a new team in the conference who probably may not be as successful at first, but when you join this conference, you're going to, your chances of making the college football playoffs skyrocket exponentially mm-hmm. to when mm-hmm. you were in the big 12, which yep. I think is something that no one's really thinking about. I also think that, Within the SEC, they need to redo the alignment because I think that Texas and Oklahoma kind of throw it off a little and they're starting to get one-sided kind of. But I feel like I feel like this is definitely an underrated thing that people aren't talking about is the fact that the SEC, they, their chances of making college football playoffs every year has just risen so much. Like, like Texas, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it's obvious. Like, the amount of teams that the SEC brings into the top 25, and usually all of them are in the top 15 to top 12, and Oklahoma and Texas just joined this conference to where they're already named grand programs and they just joined the best conference in football. Like that, like if that, if you don't think that that raises their chances by a whole lot, I don't know what to tell you. Now, 
I do have to say, I do really like this move for Texas from a basketball perspective because now you don't have to deal with Kansas anymore. You don't have to deal with Baylor. And the only the major college basketball power that you're going to have to deal with in the SEC is Kentucky. You know, Tennessee, they're doing good right now. So is Auburn. But, like, Alabama. The I don't know. Texas has a much better chance to contend for, like, uh, like an SE, a conference championship in the SEC than they did in the Big 12. So I do like it from a basketball perspective for them. But from a football perspective, I just don't know. From a football perspective, for the teams going into the Big 12, though, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, I think that I agree with Roman on the fact that they didn't bring that big name branding-wise. I also agree. I think that they're not um, – I think Memphis I gotten in, quite frankly. I don't, I, I don't know. I think I, I agree in some cases, but at the same time, like none of these teams are going to be – like I don't think – I don't see any of these teams as – making the college football playoff any their chances increasing anymore by joining the big 12 like sure they're in a power five conference so they have a better chance but these teams i just don't look at them and see championship football coming this out is, of it this is strictly for a money and popularity perspective oh yes that's what this is for uh, totally and the big 12 is going <laughs> to end sooner rather than later and then i think that's where you're going to see memphis and boise state get in but but now, before that, I mean, I don't really know. Because Cincinnati, of course, they already made the college football playoffs. So they're going to be right up there immediately. But UCF, who knows? Houston, who knows there? And BYU, again, who They'll knows? They'll be up there, but who knows? You're right. From a football perspective, right. But I'm telling you, this is going to be one heck of a basketball league now. <laughs> exactly like, right. And Baylor. they don't they don't join the conference till next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah we still got a year with them. Yeah, but, but like it's like Baylor, Kansas, Houston. What? That's an BYU. Incredible, like that is an unbelievable top three. <laughs> yeah, like I I don't think it could get any better from a basketball perspective. And I think honestly, they they knew that they would I think this was a must-do move for all of these schools because you look at what they left. Um, BYU is an independent, obviously didn't affect it as much. Um, but you look at the three American teams. I mean, they left <laughs> Memphis, yeah. SMU, who else? East Carolina. Like Tulsa. they had to get out of that, and they left a dumpster fire in their trails. And I and think Rice. that is a perfect move for them. Did Shut you up. call Memphis part of a? Did you just call Memphis a dumpster fire? The AAC, yes. once these teams leave, AAC, is a dumpster fire. The AAC you lost the top to three programs, arguably, in <sighs> the conference, and you give them to a Big 12 conference that is going to be stacked. And now the AAC is forced to bring in, you know, the top four teams from the Conference USA and a couple of teams from the Sun Belt. Yes. And that is not that is not up to par with what this we're used to. This is why I think college football needs realignment, because lots of these conferences are turning into just potholes with mm -hmm. like they're just they're just bumps in the road they're not any good anymore so you need this is why i think you need to realign get rid of some conferences and mesh some together but like now the only legit schools in the aac there are going to be memphis and smu like mm -hmm. at what is there absolutely like, memphis is there's a good chance that in 2023 memphis will win the conference championship of both football and basketball <laughs> it's a good point that's a good point and that would be huge for us but at the same time if we're not getting into any higher conferences and what matters 
And that's something I've been saying for years with college football. And it's really turning into the SEC. You've got Clemson from the ACC. But outside of that, I mean, you've got some Big Ten schools. And then it's pretty much just going to turn into the SEC. And like you said, Brent, huge move for Oklahoma and Texas because Oklahoma especially was already getting into the college football playoff night. And they had to go 11-1 and or 12-0 and to even have a chance. And now you put them in a conference where they can lose potentially two games and they're still a contender. So I think that's a huge move for both schools. Basketball, obviously, you're going to have its effects there. But now but this is why this is why I like the NFL more than college football is because it is so top heavy in the college football world. So like exactly, even though one thing I like about the this is that it opened, it really opened the door for USC to start contending again because they got Lincoln Riley because Lincoln Riley didn't want to go to the SEC. And now they've brought in the best quarterback in college football, the best wide receiver in college football, and a, a whole bunch of other high-level transfers. USC is going to be there now. But they're, they're going to have to go 12-0. It, and 0. Penn State's coming back, baby. It may not be, but they're going to be up there. I mean, I think they're going to win the Pac-12. I think they will. Oregon yeah. will give them up, but other than them, I don't see who's going to compete with USC in the Pac-12 this year. Penn State. I mean, they're going to have to go 12-0. and 0. That's the only issue with a team outside of the SEC, you know, going into 2023. Well, that's what Lincoln Riley's been doing for his entire college coaching career. So, we'll see. Yeah, great move for him, too, getting out in the, the L.A. weather, you know. Yeah. So. Even though um, he, will be, he will be heavily taxed out there. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. He's playing a lot for gas out there. Um, but that's going to wrap up the uh, sports talk of the day. Now we move into the fun topic to end the episode, guys. If you had to go to dinner with three people, which you can include sports people, but it's not limited to sports people, three people, who would you sit down with? Uh, do you guys have yours? Because I'm still trying to decide on. Yeah, this is tough. Oh, I'm making mine up on the spot, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so we're all on the same spot right now. Yeah. Well, the problem is with making them up on the spot. I have two sports guys in mind right now. <laughs> really? How about we go? You want to go one sports guy, one non-affiliated guy, and maybe hmm, one. I don't know. Maybe two non-affiliated and one sports. We can do one guaranteed sports guy. What does one non-affiliated mean? Like, yeah. like politics, religion, no. stuff like that. No. Okay. Okay. I'm- to use my sports one one guy I would go have dinner with is Mike Tomlin honestly I've huh. idolized him as a coach for a long time I mean obviously as a Steelers fan I'm going to do that but I've always enjoyed the way that he operates things and and all that you know the mindset the mentality the winning culture all of it so yeah I'd really like to sit down and have dinner with Mike Tomlin to you know ask him about some of that stuff and how he's able to maintain such you know a, a winning culture have winning season after winning season you know, of course, winning the Super Bowl a little over a decade ago, and I think he will get another one at some point. I don't know how long it'll take, but he will get another one. Can you pick it? <laughs> Maybe not with Kenny Pickett. Hope. <laughs> uh, yeah. What um, about you, Brent? He's definitely one of them. Um, geez, one sports guy. I had two in mind. Um, one's not alive anymore, so I don't know if that counts <laughs> or not, but. We can um, go. How about, yeah, let's go. One dead guy, one alive <coughs> guy, and one sports crazy. guy. How about that? Well, the guy that's not alive is was a sports guy. Yeah. Okay. So does that count? Yeah, yeah. That ca- I can go it... with. You can count as dead there. 
So, so he can kind of because he doesn't play his sport anymore. Yes. So, uh, my sports guy is definitely going to be Steph. Um, I don't think any questions there. I've he's been my favorite basketball player of all time since like since as long as I can remember. So I'm not going to go into much detail on here. I've talked about him enough on the podcast for you guys to probably know that. Um, and then the dead guy. Uh, <laughs> this sounds so mean. Um, Drazan Petrovic, uh, who played for the Nets. Um, I think he probably could have been a better shooter than Steph, at least to the point to when Steph got in the league. Um, when he was playing, sadly, he um, is no longer with us and his career was cut short. But I'd really like to sit down. I think he would be a really cool guy to get to talk to. So I think that he would be my second guy. I'm thinking of the third one right now. My uh, my sports guy goes along the same lines as yours um, with being a great shooter. And uh, mine's going to be Pete Maravich. Yep. And – I love Pete. Um, if you've ever seen his movie, um, The Pistol, it's a very good movie. And I love his life story. Um, coming up, growing up with a dad who coached at Clemson, um, started on varsity as an eighth grader. I mean, a guy that was just, you know, defying so many boundaries. He was really the the first player you look at that just was a sharpshooter. I mean, you see numbers that he would have averaged like 50 a game in college with a three-point line. And I want to talk to him about his basketball career, but also um, a huge part for me is your faith when you're looking at um, how important you are to me as a person. And Pete Maravich, um, you know, became a Christian after he retired and then lived on to share the gospel over the entire world. And I just want to talk to him about, you know, what it's like balancing being a famous celebrity who everybody knows you're known worldwide, but also a guy that can be humble enough to say that he's not good enough and then put Jesus Christ above himself. So my mm-hmm. sports guy would definitely be Pete Maravich just for all those reasons. Yeah. What about you, Roman? Who is your uh, second person? All right. All right. So I guess I'm going to use my dead person category. <laughs> Freddie Mercury. I'm going with Freddie Mercury. Wow. That's, who is that? Remind me. That's my dead person. The lead singer of Queen. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Queen is a band whose music has really stood the test of time. They have a countless number of hits and, and all that. And in my eyes, that may, in my eyes, my, they're my favorite band of all time. And Freddie Mercury is the greatest lead vocalist in the history of music, probably. So I just really like to sit down at him, you know, talk to him, talk to him you know, what, what that was like and all that. And also, like, you know, dealing with all the stereotypes of back then, you know, considering how flamboyant of a person he was and all that. Stuff. I just feel like Freddie Mercury would be a really interesting person to sit down with because I, I, I have a feeling he'd have a lot of interesting stories. <laughs> what about you, Brent? Jake, who's your second person? I've already said two. Oh, yeah, you have. Mine is uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, if you don't know who that is, he was a pastor in Germany, and uh, he was one of the main catalysts who was a part of um, saving Jews from the Holocaust and bringing them in and escorting them out of the country or escorting them out of the country. And just the way he was able to, you know, live for truth in a time with Hitler when he was so, you know, he was reigning supreme and he was one of the only ones that were, you know, willing to defy the odds and stand up for what was right. And I, I really love Dietrich's story and um, I'd love to talk to him just, again, how to be a leader in the midst of so much turmoil. So, Brent, what about you? What's your third one? Alive. <laughs> My third one, and it took me a couple minutes to think of it, and then I was going through the list of uh, 
famous figures in my life, <laughs> whether people think they're famous or not. And I stumbled across this one, and I was like, hmm, this, this is the one. Um, Brother Steve Gaines. Um, <laughs> for, for those of you who don't know him, he's the pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church. Um, but I just just for reasons beyond what I can explain, he just looks like a guy when he gets up there that I'd want to eat lunch with. Um, <laughs> obviously there's the spiritual aspect of it and I love to talk to him about that, but I feel like he's just, he's just got such a relatable personality. Um, and he definitely has lots of stories. So I think that he'd just be a really awesome guy to sit down with. So maybe if he listens to this, we can hook that up. I bet if you emailed him, he would. <laughs> that could be an option. But uh, Roman, what about you? Alive. All right. So my third person alive is going to be Sam Raimi. He is the director of my favorite film of all time, Spider-Man 2. So I'd obviously sit down and talk to him, you know, the process of making that, you know, his early film beginnings were in like the horror stuff and all that. So I'd probably get into that a little bit with him as well. You know, how the process was like, you know, directing, in my opinion, the greatest superhero trilogy ever. You know, it's one and two being fantastic. And then the third one not being as great a a lot of, you know, mostly because of, like, studio interference and stuff like that. And I was getting back into the superhero genre, directing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, yeah, Sam Raimi is definitely, if I had to pick someone alive, someone else alive to have dinner with, it'd probably be him. Yeah, that's a good answer. Good one. Um, I'm going to wrap it up with my third one, Alive. Um, has to do with sports and man. If you know me, and if you've ever watched a basketball game with me or a football game with me, you know that this is my idol when it comes to the sports world, and that's going to be Kevin Harlan. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be weird, man, but if I sat down to eat dinner with him, I, I'm just mesmerized by his voice. <laughs> like, the, his voice is just, like, so captivating to me. Like, it's perfect for on-camera stuff. And I think just asking him questions, like, that's something that I might want to do in the future, um, commentating and analysis. Like, sitting down with Kevin Harlan, just asking him, like, Giving me advice and stuff like, man, I would love that so much. Jake's going to ask Kevin Harlan the longest questions just so that he'll have to talk for so long. So you can just sit <laughs> yeah, there just and keep, keep elaborating, show. Kevin. Keep... <laughs> see, see, like, I, I didn't want to do, like, any, any commentators or whatever because those are, like, my big-time idols in the business and all that. And I, I don't know if I really want to meet them until, like, I'm actually, like, there myself in a sense, so – Hey, well, the biggest thing in that world is connections. And if I can sit down with Kevin and have a connection right there, man, oh, if I show my support in the moment, he might call me up. But <laughs> I've got to I've got to show my support for Mr. Harlan there. But like, um, yeah, you go ahead. When it's someone that big, you know, it's it, it, it's going to be hard to establish a connection. So I don't know. Oh, well, absolutely. But, you know, this is a dream and this is hypothetical. This is so <laughs> if I could do it, I definitely would not pass up on the opportunity. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying I would either, but I, <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't even be able to speak. Like, see, like, see, like just let him do all the talking. <laughs> my, my biggest idol commentating world is Al Michaels. I think he's the greatest. Yeah, free sports. So I don't even know if I'd be able to talk to him. So it's like, and he's a nice guy too. Yeah, he's awesome. Oh, you're McFarland. Oh, <laughs> Skip Bayless, anybody? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah. That is going to wrap up this episode of Minute Hoodies. Oh, wait. Um, thank you for Roman, the – oh, yeah, we got – sorry. I forgot. I knew I would forget. We've got to talk about our weeks. Oh, yeah, and yeah. what better way to start it than Roman telling us a story that actually happened to him last night. So, Roman, you kick it off. 
All right. Again, this isn't like too, you know, crazy or anything, but it is, it is funny or, or whatever. So, okay. Just to start off with the gist of it, um, my mom really likes ice. Like, she really likes chewing on ice. She, that's just like her thing. It has been for years. I, I will never understand it, but that's just how it is. So, yeah, she, she really likes chewing on ice. So, it, it, like, so much so to the point where we have, like, two different sources of, like, of getting ice. Of course, one is, like, the refrigerator, like, ice maker or whatever. And we have a whole separate ice machine as well in our house that, like, makes ice that looks like, you know, the ice from Sonic, if you guys know that. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, that's uh-huh. much my mom loves ice. And both of those were not operating last night. So, like, some residual had built up in the ice machine. So we couldn't really use that. And for some reason, the refrigerator wasn't working either. So mom needed ice. <laughs> and it, it was late at night. And she needed ice. so she sent myself and my brother out to get ice. And my my brother and I were kind of hungry. So we're like, you know, we'll go get some food. And we'll get like a few cups of ice in the drive-thru. Right. So, so yeah, we decided to go to Taco Bell. That, that's just what we decided. It was one of the only places open. So yeah, we, we go to Taco Bell. We like order our tacos or or whatever. And we and I go to order the ice. And they said we don't got no ice. Okay. It's like the most Taco Bell thing ever. So yeah. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why would Taco Bell have no ice? Yep, they just they, they verbatim said we don't got no ice. So I got to drive all the way over to Wendy's, right? I got to drive over to Wendy's. Yeah, that good half a mile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, drive over to Wendy's just to get a, a, another cup of ice. So, yeah, I order the three large cups of ice that I get. And when I get to the window, guess how much they charged me for this for these cups of ice? I get charged three ninety two. Bruh. I get charged three ninety two, four dollars for three large cups of ice like water is like the second most abundant thing on this entire planet (laughs) and yet it costs me four dollars to get three large cups of ice a thing that i could go to millions of other places and get but yeah wendy's thinks that it's worth four dollars i still end up getting the four dollars because again mama needed her ice but (laughs) why don't you just go to kroger they got like bags in there I don't know. I didn't. It, <laughs> they were honestly open or not. Uh, again, late last night. Man, that's wild. That was great. But again, not the most elaborate or crazy story, but I thought it was pretty funny. So, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that no, that great. is that is totally a stereotypical thing for Taco Bell to do. My <laughs> weeks. So um, don't order anything with ice from Taco Bell because they may not got no ice. So. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, uh, do you have any crazy how, stories as well? Like, what, how what can was your I week top like? that? What was your week like, Brent? Well, I mean, the Golden State Warriors just won the NBA Finals, so I mean, I'm 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 on cloud 109. I mean, <laughs> whole, <laughs> I, I can't even say. <coughs> whole, whole, I can't say. It. I don't even remember what he said. Uh, what did Clay Thompson say? He's so funny. Like holy, holy chioli, like corn balls or something. <laughs> <laughs> holy, 
Holy Chioli or something like that. Yeah, ho- yeah he said cannoli. Holy Cannoli. That's what it was. Holy Cannoli. Uh, what did I do this week? Holy um, Cannoli. It was Cannoli. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been running a lot. We're starting our cross country senior year documentary, so it's going to be fun. Cool. We're excited, having fun this week. Um, let's see, ready for college football and fantasy football, but I'm going to enjoy this Golden State Warriors finals victory. I was I had, I had not a very long week. I've had not much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing as crazy as Roman. <laughs> yeah, Jake, I'll, I'll, move, I'll move on to mine. Uh, my week was pretty chill. Um, getting ready for VBS coming up this next week, um, so I can you know hang out with some fourth graders. Nothing better to do with my time. Um, and then I've been preparing. For uh, Beach Week coming up in two weeks, mm-hmm. which is a lot of planning and, you know, mm-hmm. getting stuff right, which, you know, is, is really hard. But at the same time, once you get through the planning, it's all, you know, smooth from there. So I can't wait for that. Can't wait for that week. Um, really been looking forward to um, next Saturday and Sunday. I'm going on a trip, first trip with ah. my girlfriend's family. Ah. Um, that Sunday Man. is our one year, which... To you adults listening, may not be that amazing because you've you know been married for like 10, 20 years, but it's a pretty big milestone. Um, we're <laughs> going to watch Freddie Freeman's return game to Atlanta um, on Fox Saturday Night Baseball, um, so that should be good. Um, got her pretty good gifts, but I can't tell you because she might listen. So um, we'll we'll see about that. She's gonna love it, and I just I cannot wait for the uh, rest of June because it's gonna be pretty. Pretty stacked with amazing things. So, oh, is June your favorite month? Just a reminder to our listeners: since the finals are now over, we're going to be starting NFL breakdowns on the next episode. We're going to be going team by you team, bet. covering an epi- a, a division every episode. I don't know what division we're going to start with, but yeah, by the end of the summer, ending we, with the NFC West, we will have breakdowns on every single team in the NFL. So, I'm excited to start that next time. Yeah, so look forward to that. Um, we will bring you some knowledgeable predictions. Um, looking forward to the fantasy football Very, season yeah. as well. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, but we've got to wrap Can't up this wait episode. To beat Roman and Jake. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. We got a big thing coming. Running it back, coming. baby. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, lots of um, no, Running not lots. Just a little bit of change going into it. We're not going to elaborate on that. Um, <laughs> but we, we've got some important, important people. Yeah, we've got some important people doing it with us, and they're okay with it. So it's of fine. Of course, Roman. Yeah, ab- the important person. yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap up the episode, guys. Thank you for watching this, whatever it is, 65-minute episode. We thank you for tuning in. Um, congratulations to Brent and the Warriors. Thank you, thank you. Uh, moving forward, it's going to be a fantastic um, season Summer. for sports, but also a fantastic season for Summer. the Men Hoodies podcast. So continue oh. to tune in, and we will see you next episode. The water chose me.